as we venture into the murky waters of everything you've been told never to bring up at holiday dinner. You'll need a guide, someone you can trust, a battle-tested, common-sense leader who knows that an extra pair of dry socks just might save your life. That wise old sage has arrived, and he is shouting the Schmidt Show battle cry. Schmidt heads unite! Good morning. Good afternoon. Depending on where you are at in the country or in the world, listening to the Schmidt Show podcast, time, appropriate greetings, whatever that may be for you. Uh, my guest today on the Schmidt Show podcast is local medical practitioner, Dr. Kevin Fire. He's a doctor of audiology in the local community that I live in. And I've invited him on because I want to talk to him and to, and get his perspective as a local business owner and a medical practitioner on some of the issues of politics of the day and the dangers of taking political stances in the world of business. Dr. Fire, thanks for joining me this morning or this afternoon or wherever it is that you may be listening to the podcast. For us, it's actually evening. It's almost 9.30 at night or 10, 10 o'clock at night. Dr. Fire, thanks for, for joining me. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me in to, to visit about some of these topics, Brad. I appreciate it. So, Doc, you and I have... Um, We've known each other for about three and a half years now, something like that, I suppose. Our sons shoot in uh, high school trap shooting competitions together and things like that. And I've gotten to know your political beliefs, which a lot of times, especially in today's world, you, you kind of want to keep to yourself because there's there's a genuine danger, especially as a business owner, of, of losing clientele, of, of negatively affecting your business if the, the values or the positions that you take um, may not fit in line with the folks that you would maybe serve or uh, a, a new clientele that you might be trying to reach. Um, but you've recently taken a stand on a couple of things. You're, you're obviously an avid uh, Second Amendment supporter, and you have had that conversation quite a few times. But just recently, local politics, there's some things that have come up, and you've taken a stance and spoken out against the city council, spoken out against some of the things that are going on. And, of course, as always, as it relates to politics, it doesn't matter what side you're on, you're going to be called a racist and a bigot and a this and a that. And, and, and the people that disagree with you are going to think you're nuts, and the people that agree with you're going to think you're the greatest thing in the world. What is what is your greatest concern as a business owner, as a medical practitioner? What is your greatest concern in in reaching into this this realm of the the current political debate? Sure, sure. Well, and 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 I guess you know I wish I could say that it isn't a concern, and it isn't a con- and that there was nothing that that kept me up a little bit at night and worrying about is there going to be any pushback or fallout from any political position that I might take. Um, I've actually had calls from some friends who said, "Are you sure you really want to kind of go public with with taking maybe a somewhat controversial uh, approach or, or position to some of the issues that are facing our community now?" Uh, simply because. You know, individuals may say, hey, I'm not going to come to your facility if I just don't agree with what your political position is. And and I maybe have somewhat more exposure than some other medical practitioners in the community because I'm not, for instance, affiliated with the major major medical center in our community. There is in our town of 55 to 60,000, there's really one big player in the community. um, And and I'm independent. I'm not I'm not part of them. And, And sometimes I think being part of the big 
medical community, the, the large player, may insulate some people because, yeah. for instance, if you want to go see um, you know, a gastroenterologist or someone like that, uh, you may be sort of in, you may have to go to the one med- major medical center, kind of regardless of what you think about the right. person's beliefs. Yeah. Um, whereas for someone like me, um, you know, in audiology, uh, you know, I, I and I kind of try to tell our employees this quite a bit is is people have to make a choice to come see us, um, right. and we have to provide them something, whether it be service, whether it be um, quality of care, whether it be better pricing, whatever. They have to have a reason to choose us that right. is separate from the major medical. And center. there's other and, there's other folks in town that that you kind of there's some crossover with. From, sure, you know, sure. They, they, they may not necessarily be a doctor of audiology. I can think of a friend of mine and, yep. and a mutual connection of ours is works for another company that does some of the same things sure, they do, sure. but obviously doesn't offer the same um, services. So there is some genuine competition. Absolutely. So yeah, so individuals could, could you know, from, a, from sort of the retail end of the business, buying um, uh, medical equipment from us and so on, could go to other facilities because, again, if they don't agree with me and the stance I took, that may be what, what they use to, to make their decision about where they'll get their services. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've thought, uh, you know, if this, if this aggravates people, if people think um, that I have taken a position that they can't support and they don't want to essentially be a customer of mine because of that, um, I think I kind of had to do that mental calculus to say, you know, which which would be a greater stressor to me, sitting back and watching something go on in our community that's that, you know, maybe to, uh, at first blush doesn't mm-hmm. seem like that big of a deal. But but in sort of the way that things are moving forward kind of is a big deal. Yeah. And 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 I started had to think, you know, what is what is a greater stressor to me to sit at night thinking, don't you have the guts to go stand mm-hmm. up? And, and also, if not, if not myself, then who would I expect to do right. this? Because there's lots of other business owners in town. And and do I then say, OK, the guy who owns the local barber shop should be the person who should go forward and make this He's got to worry about the same kind right. of fallout that I may have to worry about. Um, so mm-hmm. anyway, so that's that's those certainly think calculations I've made. So. And this is this is something too. I mean, from a business perspective, that I've thought about is when you see on the national scale. Of course, you're you're on a much smaller scale, but when you see the national scale, places like Nordstrom's and some of these others pulling, you know, Ivanka Trump's line of or is it Ivanka? Is that his daughter? Yes. Yeah, is it is. Ivana. Ivanka. Yes. There's no, so Ivana, many. Ivana Ivana's is his wife. ex-wife. Right, okay, correct. right. Yep. So, yeah. So, Ivanka, pulling some of her lines of clothing, you know, some of the, the various organizations refusing to do business with Trump, or the organization, the Trump organization, um, that also does trickle down into local communities. Even if it's not necessarily connected, you become a – I mean, you've been in the community since the 90s. Sure. You know, and people know, hey, oh, hey, that's Dr. Fire. You know, Mm -hmm. they know Mm -hmm. who you are. And then you write an article in a local blog or for a local newspaper or whatever, come on my radio show, and people go, whoa, did you hear what Dr. Fire just said? And some of them will go, hey, did you hear what Dr. Fire just said? And some of them will go – did you hear what Dr. Fire just said? Mm-hmm. And and that is, I mean, it's, it seems to me that that would be a genuine worry. Um, as a business owner, you've been pretty well established. Have you had any of that pushback yet? Other than friends saying, hey, are you sure? 
Sure, sure. Um, not yet about this most recent issue uh, right. that I took a stand upon, um, but I have had some pushback uh, from, for instance, individuals asking me where I where I purchase my product, and the product mm. in an audiology office typically would be amplification. Um, right. We're looking at, and and in the world of amplification these days, there's six or seven major manufacturers. There's a few smaller right. ones, but those are really going to encompass about ninety five percent of the product yeah. on the market. Even some of the various brand names. They're they're the same rebranding. product rebranded, rebranding, built sure. by somebody and sold under a different name. And you bet, you bet. And, and so there was one of those manufacturers actually took a position um, a couple of years ago, uh, probably about eighteen months ago, that they would no longer provide discounts, for instance, to NRA members. They had mm. they had basically oh, right. taken a position that that the NRA, if you were an NRA member, you got a certain discount if you bought their product from someone like me. Um, and then they stopped doing that. And I had people come in and say to me, are you still doing business with that company given that yeah. uh, they they took this position? And I had to think, you know, am, am I going to essentially still use that product? The response I would give to my patient is I would say, if I truly believe that is the best product for your needs, the needs of my patient are going come to first. come first over any political thoughts that I may have about the position they took. Right. And that's interesting you said it because I've had this discussion in the past on my terrestrial radio show several times that, hey, when it comes down to a lot of these small businesses, they really do have their customers in your in your case, patients, clientele, whatever you want to call it. In the, they really do have the best interests of the po- folks that do business with them in mind. And it's not, they're not out to get somebody. They're not out to screw somebody. They're not out to just rake in as many dollars as possible and, and the rest of the world be damned. You know, it, it, and there's sometimes that, that mentality is that, oh, you're a medical practitioner. You're just trying to screw the little guy. You're the evil rich doctor trying to, to harm the, the, you know, the single mom who, who, you know whatever position she's in and and that's just not the case so even in the case of hey my principles or my and not even necessarily your principles but my beliefs and views on the second amendment and the nra hey you know what in the end my customer comes first and the nra is secondary or whatever organization or or charity or or position that's that a, a particular company has taken um has that always been the case for you or is it is it something that you've had to you know kind of finding your feet in business kind of thing well i think it always has it's it's you know, we have a the, the profession of audiology has a fairly stringent code of ethics, right. um, and and we really, much like the Hippocratic oath would be in the medical professions, you know, we take a essentially an oath that says, you know, our cus- our customers, our patients, our treatment plan is going to be based on what's best best for our patient, not right. what's best for us, not what's best for a manufacturer, and so on. Um, and so, I think if you adhere to that pretty strong ethical code it makes some of those decisions a lot easier for you because you can say you know that is and and i've had for instance manufacturers approach me and say things like if you use our products you know we can do some amazing things for you you know we can give you an amazing price we can uh, give you incentive programs and things like that and i always will sit with them and say thank you very much that's all well and good but i need to tell you if your product isn't what's best for a particular patient 
I'm not going to use not gonna it. I'm push just it. not. Yeah. You know. So, so it, I think that's helped us. You know, I think kind of not be swayed by some of the, either the political wins or or some of these yeah. other um, maybe incentive type programs right. companies come up with. Yeah, because it, it is easy, and especially in the medical world, right? I mean, there's sure. there's always a new product or a new thing yeah. that's coming out that if you sell ten of these, will give you a you, you know a, a trip promotion. to sure Bahamas sure. or whatever. Yeah, you know, and, and the star clause of yeah. really tighten some of that stuff up. That used to be a whole lot sort of worse in the field, but but um, but again, you know, I think I think anyone who doesn't look at each individual patient as having specific individual needs that you're trying to meet the best is taking a pretty short sighted approach. If they're saying, "Hey, I can do this because it's more profitable in the short yeah. term," for instance, so. have you ever have you ever had to say, you know what, your your position um, as a company just violates my just my com- human sensibilities and i just can't do business with an organization and you don't have to name names but yeah, just sure, this particular sure. company or whatever that i just cannot uh, absolutely do. and 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 sometimes that's what companies at, at this point in my in the development of my business companies will come and say what is important to you you know is it price is it service is it and what you know they will get, give you lots of options and what i will always say is What's the most important thing to me is that you will do right by my patient. Um, and if my patient has a problem, and let's say it's something out of warranty, will you cover that for them? Right. Um, and there are, I can think of right now, of two specific instances where there was one company that I probably did 80% of my business with. I probably do less than 5% of my business mm. now because their customer service to me was so poor that I could not provide the level of care that I thought my patients deserved. Um, And then there is one other company with whom I do a fair amount of business, and they've attempted to do some things for me that I was very uncomfortable with. And and they would, uh, the individual who was representing the company would say things like, well, this is our company policy that we do this. And I would say, that's not my company policy that you do that. So so anyway, so yeah, we we certainly have those discussions. Good. Good. When you start talking about business, and you're, you're, I mean, you're, we're talking about all of the various levels of the way government gets involved in the the average Joe business owner. Now, if I'm, you know, if I'm running Billy Bob's cleaning service, and and all I'm doing is going to somebody's home and and cleaning, uh, you know, their bathroom or whatever. Probably not a lot of regulation on that, other than maybe the chemicals that I use, and most of the stuff that I'll be able to purchase is already going to be you know, in compliance with various regulations. Anyway, so there's probably not a whole lot that I have to worry about on that end. On your end, as a medical practitioner, there is multiple layers, lever, layers of bureaucracy that you've got to deal with, I'm sure. Do you ever get to a point or have you gotten to a point where you kind of slam your fist on the desk and go, man, if this bureaucracy wasn't in my way, A, I'd be able to make more money, B, I'd be able to treat my clients better, and C, I'd, I'd be able to... Um, take care better care of my family or whatever i mean have you you ever gotten to that point um i would say if you'd have asked me that question six months ago i'd probably say thankfully no (laughs) Uh, you're asking me that question now however and the answer is unfortunately yes yeah Uh, and and it's it's as you would guess you know primarily having to do with dealing with insurance companies um and and um unfortunately as i have the people who do my billing work come and visit with me and and come and tell me things um i sit there and think you know 
and almost jokingly say things like, you know, I could have retired years ago if yeah. I would have been able to collect what the insurance company said they were going to pay. And, right. and so we have lots and lots of issues with, with attempting authorization, prior authorization for treatment, which then ultimately we don't get paid for that. Yeah. That's not the patient's fault. Yeah. And we, we can't put that on the patient. So right. we, we eat an awful lot of our billing. And, yeah. and the answer is it, it can get I'm, it can get frustrating. Yeah, and, I can imagine. So, when when you are one of the things that you and I have talked about in the past is the the balance of taking care of the business, taking care of the family, providing a a level of whether it's comfort or or just simply um, appropriate care of your family as a as the uh, the breadwinner or whatever um and and also making sure that your employees are taken care of and they've got jobs and the you know the, the things that i would assume keep every business owner up at night that if hey if my business isn't successful it's not just me but there's 5 10 12 15 you know depending on the size of your business employees that count on me to to make sure that the doors stay open that there's enough profit that i can again take care of my family pay my own bills and make sure the lights stay on and pay the payroll and pay the taxes and do the social security and do the health insurance and all of those things from a business owner's perspective i know you and i know you personally so i know how much you care about that kind of stuff have you run into i mean what has you been your experience you've dealt with business owners from that run the gamut in the community because of your your position what you do um, is that is that the norm? I think I know the answer to this, but I, I want to hear somebody that maybe has a little bit more experience give uh, well, the answer. I, and I think I, I I think I would say that it is the norm of successful businesses. I think mm. if a business um, is successful and and is looking again at the long term, not the short term, um, attempting to make you know a short term killing those types of things. I think the owner of the business. In a way, and, and I've had this discussion with employees before who've asked me, you know, again, you've been doing this now for 35 years. Why do you still work so hard? Shouldn't you be sort of slowing down now right. and so on? And and I look at it as the needs of the business are kind of like the needs of a child. You know, yeah. I mean, it's sort of like an, an addition to my family. Yeah. And if I have to do extra things to make sure that that business is healthy... Um, yeah, I'm going to have to do it just like you would. If your child has a fever, yeah. you're not going to say, you know what, I'm, I've had a long day at work today. I'm going to sleep. You figure it out, and I'll work with you on this tomorrow. Of course you wouldn't. Um, and so I, I think I put the needs of the you know the customers first, the patients first, because without them, that's sort of our sine qua non, without which none. We don't right. exist unless we make them happy and yeah. we, we serve their needs i think then it is the the needs of the of my employees because you know in the state of north dakota you know we we, we tout our economy there yeah. but but with a robust economy and a very low unemployment rate what that means is you've got to keep your employees yeah. happy i would anyway right but, yeah but, but you know real, the reality you is you, economics says hey you want them to want to come to work right. and you want that to be a, a you want that to be a fulfilling and rewarding yeah. opportunity well, for the, them as well. It's so. the maxim that Dave Ramsey always talks about. You know, most employees, you know, they, they come to work late, they go home early, and they steal while they're there. So you've got to create an environment where I don't just have employees, but members of a team sure. that want to come to work, that want to be a part of what we're doing, that want to actually do a, a good job and take care of the customers and the clients and, the, the in your case, the patients and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So it it 
avoids some of that drama, for mm-hmm. lack of a better mm-hmm. term. Mm-hmm. If if you had to if you had to do it all over again, you were a professor at the university, taught audiology at the University of North Dakota for several years, stepped away into your private practice. I know now you're kind of going back in and and doing some of that. Is is if you had to do it all over again, would you would you do it the same way? Uh, or would you would you avoid the the slings and arrows as they say of a of a small business and just eh, maybe stay in academia a little bit more money maybe to be made in in teaching and some of those sorts of things or or would you do it all over again um, i i don 't have any regrets i and and sort of my history was I taught for almost twenty years um, I taught two years at Ohio State or the Ohio State the University Ohio State. <laughs> uh, when I was a graduate student, doctoral student there. And then I taught for 18 and a half years at the University of North Dakota, so I guess a little over 20 years, um, and, and was doing a little bit of clinic on the side. Um, and and I, enjoy, I enjoy my being my own boss. I enjoy running my own business because I, I sort of can see the fruits of my labor. Mm. You know, if I put more time into it, more effort into it, um, either my patients are happier, I've improved my reputation, my employees are happier, or ultimately maybe I make more money at it. You know, yeah. and that becomes another source of satisfaction and also a metric of success, clearly. But, you know, that was a frustration, I think, at the university, and I was very successful. I was tenured within yeah. three years. Um, I had a uni- I had three different university wide teaching awards given to me and during my academic career. Um, you know, I was graduate director director of the graduate program on multiple committees, so it wasn't that I was a faculty member who was, you know, not doing well and was really sort of needing to find a landing yeah. landing pad. Um, you know, I just think that what I started thinking was that you know the harder I worked, I didn't seem to be reaping much benefit from uh, doing that, and, and yeah. so I think I would go back in. I think if I've learned uh, some lessons from taking my lumps, uh, I, I think a little bit of it is podcast. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I think a little bit uh, of what I maybe learned was um, maybe giving some of my employees somewhat more guidance and supervision for right. some of the things they were doing. So. We, we uh, for those of you that were wondering what just happened there, we were actually sitting in the lobby of the Sleep Inn Hotel in, uh, O'Fallon. in O'Fallon, Missouri. Uh, or in O'Fallon, Illinois. Actually, O'Fallon, Missouri is on the other side of the river. Right, there is correct, a, yeah. so, uh, And we have to give a quick shout-out to Pete, the, uh, the man behind the desk here at Sleep Inn. Uh, he's got a pretty epic mustache. He wanted to make sure we let him know. And, and uh, somebody just walked in out of the street and said, hey, y'all running a, a, a radio show? I said, no, it's a podcast. So uh, sure. to give you a little bit of background. Context there. It's been a crazy, crazy week. We've been down here in Sparta, Illinois, for uh, for a trap shooting competition, and I've done several interviews just in in wherever I can find enough space to do it. And we're literally set up in the place where the continental breakfast is served in the mornings at the hotel here. So, uh, Doctor Fire, with with your experience in the world of business, your experience in the world of academia, your son, I believe, has talked about. It. He wants to get into doing kind of following Dad's footsteps kind of thing um is there what would your advice be just to a young person whether they're coming out of school and wanting to start a, a medical practice of of any kind I mean, whether it's like say gastroenterology or heart doctor or audiology or whatever what uh, what is what's the advice that you would give to somebody who's kind of seen both sides of it right the academic sure. side and the and the take it out in the real world side that wants to start a new business whether it's carpentry or or mm-hmm. medical mm-hmm. practice or whatever 
Sure. Well, and, and actually some of my experience had also been in hospitals. I'd worked in those facilities as right. well. So I've sort of seen the, the major sort of players in my profession. And I guess your question of sort of would I do it again, one of the ways I could answer that as well is you bring up my son. Mm. Um, and the fact that I'm not trying to dissuade, dissuade my son from, from doing, doing this lets me believe that you know, I'd probably do it myself because yeah. certainly it wouldn't be something I'd want my son to go into if I didn't think it was a good idea. Right. You know, I think I think what people probably entering into the world of business maybe don't realize is is I guess what the learning curve is going to be like. Mm. I mean, no matter how prepared you are, you just you're never are, prepared you're enough. Never really prepared for a yeah. for a pipe that breaks in the middle of the night, or from coming into the office on a Monday morning and the entire computer network is down, down. and you have six or seven patients waiting to be seen in the office, yeah. or you have. Um, you know, you, you get sent to an outside facility and they say, what are you doing here today? And you say, well, it was in our calendar that I was supposed to be here. Not in our calendar. You know, mm. those kinds of, of things you need to be, I think, prepared to deal with. Yeah. Um, if, if you make a mistake, and every human does, uh, you know, I think as long as you can keep... Uh, you can you can convince people that the the mistake was made because you're human, but you're going to do everything in your power to right. make it right. You know that's I, th- I think that's a that's a good piece right. of advice, probably an obvious piece of advice. But um, but you know I think what I really learned from the process was that you know the other thing is you know doing a good job is going to eventually help your business quite a bit, but that's a slow process. The yeah. word sort of has to get out, um, and so you have to really be willing to accept the fact that you may be really doing very good things right. and, and it may not immediately it may not immediately show up on your bottom line so to to come back to the the politics discussion and the discussion of of you know taking any sort of even i guess not even necessarily a political stand but any sort of philosophical stand like i just believe that this is genuinely true about Whatever the issue is, whether it's it's a political issue like guns or the Second Amendment or or abortion or or you know taxes or go- government or things like that, or just saying, hey, I'm not going to be involved in this thing. You know, whether it's uh, you know there's a, a local um, chapter of some organization that is just kind of generally regarded as as an inappropriate kind of expression of free speech whether it's uh, you know some sort of kkk thing or something like that the illinois nazis yeah the know. illinois nazis is where <laughs> the blues brothers reference there's a few people that'll get that but um you know th- is there is there is there anything where you you just go i'm not going to take a stand on that or or do you feel or is, as you've matured as you've gotten older do you go i'm always going to take a stand because we need people to start taking a stand. You and I had this discussion last night over dinner about the the the, the last line of the Declaration of Independence. You know, we pledge our lives, our fortunes, our sacred honor. Like to me, I've and this is what we talked about. I said, I hope one day that if I am called upon, out of necessity or whatever, to to say yes today, I pledge my life, my fortune, my sacred honor. That I would do it. I mean, is, is am I am I overstating that? No, I no, I don't think so. I you know that that becomes that question of sort of 
you know, from a small business standpoint, where is that political third rail? You yeah. know, where is the thing that if you did it, you're really saying, you know what, I am really kind of putting all my chips in the middle of the table. Yeah. And this can this can mean the end of me and can mean the end of what I've built and right. and can mean the end of what I've built for my patients and for my, my employees yeah. and those types of things. But again, you know, that's a that's a that's a maybe a tough question to think about. Would there ever be a situation where I wouldn't take a stand? Because I really, I think as I'm getting older and thinking, you know, if enough people just say, I'm not going to do it, somebody yeah. else will, then no one ever will. And yeah. they really won't. And I'm and not going to, I'm mad as hell and I'm, I'm not, not going to take, take it, it anymore. anymore. Yeah. But, you know, and not to overstate the, uh, or maybe overuse the, 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 the statement that, you know, all it takes for evil to prevail mm. is for good men to, to do, do nothing. nothing. Um, I think that's very, ins- that's a very insightful statement. And, and again, you know, if Grand Forks decides that they would like to be the abortion capital of the upper Midwest and they would like to bring in, you know, would I immediately sort of go on the air and try and use whatever political capital I have earned in my 30 years and living there to try and go against that? That's a good question. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I would have to consider it as I'm doing it. But Is that a hill you're willing to die on? Exactly. And yeah. that's what you're, well, and, you're going and to And that do. brings back to some of what you said earlier. You talk about the 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 needs of the patient coming first mm-hmm. it's really hard to provide for the needs of your patients if your business no longer exists sure. right sure. it's i mean it becomes a very difficult line or or high wire to kind of navigate doesn't it you bet and and it's interesting because as i think about this as well you know, you had mentioned sort of from the national scale uh you know folks taking a position that for instance with Chick-fil-A. That oh, was yeah. one where they was there was a call for a boycott of Chick-fil-A. Yeah. And that backfired. Yeah, it did. I think Chick-fil-A did very, very they well. They came out the on the publicity. other end of that, actually in better shape. Absolutely. Than, yeah. so I Same think, with Hobby Lobby. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was another one. They um, couldn't see it as store after store of Sears and 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 Kmart and things like that, store after store closing down. Hobby Lobby, my, my wife actually used to work for them. They couldn't seem to build stores fast enough. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think there's a sense that, you know, there's a lot of people out there who I think are glad people are speaking up and are supportive of them and maybe supportive of them by giving them their business. Um, I think that some of those things, in a way, no one likes a bully. Right. And if they view um, individuals who are in disagreement with your political stance as being folks who are going to shout you out of a restaurant or people who are going to stand in front of your place of business on a sidewalk with a bunch of, uh, of signs saying, don't do business here and so on, I think they have to consider that that may not have the effect that they're intending right. as well. So, so some of that weighs into it as well. Have you ever been the victim of that? I hate to use the word victim. Have you ever been? I have not. I, I have in, in our last local issue that came up, which, which garnered a fair amount of attention, thanks in some, in some <laughs> measure to you uh, allowing me to kind of promote what was going on uh, and then being a guest blogger on a large kind of uh, blog in, in yeah, North bigger Dakota. Bigger platform even than my, my show. It's, yeah. it's certainly read throughout the state, yeah. you know, and so on. And and, uh, and it's specifically for political issues. I kind of thought I will not be surprised if I pull into the office someday and there are some people on the public sidewalk out in front of my business um, with some signs or yeah, or at least saying things. Yeah, exactly. Sort of, and yeah. I thought that was. I probably put that at about a fifty percent chance. It has not happened, <laughs> um, and I'm certainly not encouraging it to happen. But right. again, the other part of that is you mm-hmm. know no people don't like a bully, and, yeah. and people I think might say. 
he's allowed to say what he thinks, and right. you're trying to put him out of business because you disagree yeah. with him. He's not trying to harm you because you disagree with him. He's just bringing up a point. So. Yeah. When when you start to to wade into the world of politics, there it, it becomes a a different experience than what it used to be, than what you and I grew up with. But I always try to remind people that this really isn't anything new. I mean, you go back into history and you'll, you see some of the writings of the founding fathers. And I can't remember if it was Thomas, I'm fairly certain it was Thomas Jefferson um, wrote an article under a pseudonym where he actually, he straight up called John Adams, Mama Whore. Mm. said, your mother essentially is a whore and, and we can't have, you know, you know our, our political leaders being the children of whores. I mean, it's, and I'm obviously paraphrasing radically and, and kind of take, but that was kind of the discussion that this, this mudslinging is really nothing new. Um, in fact, it's probably not as bad as it used to be, but we've got this, you know, the 24 hour news cycle. And I know everybody uses that as an excuse or whatever, but we've got this, this just constant barrage through social media, through the internet, through television and the radio. And like, we, we are so silence averse in our culture that we just can't sit and, and meditate or, or just be quiet for a little bit. We've got to constantly be having something. And so often that something is just filling our brains with garbage, you know? So, I think it's kind of an important thing to point out that, hey, yeah, we do live in somewhat of a divisive world, but it's not, it's certainly not anything new, and it may not even be as bad as it used to be. Um, You have, and as I have, we've had several discussions about family, right? We've all got people that we disagree with. Sometimes they're within our own family. Um, That divisiveness, have you noticed it getting worse or, or do you kind of take that same mindset that I do that eh, maybe it's not as bad as I thought it was? Well, that's a good question. I, I or is it maybe worse anecdotally in your personal life, but not necessarily historically? I think maybe that's probably a better description simply because, um, you know, I think in my personal life, the, I, I think it's interesting to me that, that what seems to upset people who are in my family or who I know about political positions, they really all, there's that saying that boy, you're letting them live in your head rent free. Mm, yeah, you know that they they become so focused on it and dwell about it so much that it becomes, you know, sort of the most important issue to them in their daily life is what Trump tweeted that day yeah. or something like that. And to me, it's like, golly, I think I'd be more concerned about. Um, you know, how's your diabetes? Is it under control? Or, yeah. you know, how are you coming out of your knee replacement? Right, or those yeah, types whatever. of things. I mean, yeah. I think those are things that that should be occupying maybe some more of our consciousness yeah. rather than, than you know, what it is that, that Rachel Maddow said, you know, right. today on MSNBC. And, right. and, and, you know, just really struck a nerve with me. So, yeah. so I do see, unfortunately, sort of personally, some people who become just so much more kind of wrapped up in yeah. these kinds of things and and they can't believe I'm not I say to yeah. them things like you know geez you really are going to probably shorten your life if you don't turn those things off because yeah. you're getting so wrapped up you know it's interesting that you bring that up as we sat here right here in this hotel I literally at that table right over there this morning um, on the TV was MSNBC and of course Donald Trump had tweeted something about Baltimore and everybody was upset and he was a racist and and all this kind of stuff and and for 20 minutes it was talk about how racist Trump was and how race relations have gotten so bad in the United States 
and I'm sitting here at this table, and literally this table right here behind me was a younger, I don't know, maybe mid-20s, early 30s black man who I probably on any other day, just because it's my personality, would have struck up a conversation with him and said, you know, hey, how about this humidity down here? And, and you know, what brings you to O'Fallon, Illinois? And, you know, we're down here for a shooting competition. How come you're here? And, and had that conversation with him. But because that, that experience that was going on on the TV, I felt so uncomfortable that is that I started to think and we all do this right in our head I'm like is he thinking that I'm that guy that I'm that racist white dude that's that that hates him and so that's why he's not talking to me now I'm afraid to say anything because I don't want to have some sort of confrontation I don't want to come across I don't want to say the wrong thing and that 20 minutes or 10 minutes of television this morning separated two people who on any given day probably would have had a great conversation and enjoyed each other's company for a few minutes and both of our days would have been brightened by it yet here we are and and so that political that constant just barrage of information you know i I don't know do you, I mean, have you had similar experiences? Well, what's interesting is, and I can't remember where I did this specifically, but I one day, there was some issue of issue du jour that right. was going to be picked up by either CNN or MSNBC. And what I started doing was literally flipping back and forth between Fox News right. and MSNBC on the exact same topic. Right. And it was as though they were they were talking about completely separate issues. I mean, there was no common ground whatsoever. Right. The choice of words. Um, who, who was it who said 1984? Words, words mean, right, yeah. mean things. Yeah. You know, Orwell. Uh, Orwell, of course. Um, and and you know when when one side would talk about you know this this amazing terrific presentation and then the other one you know the other one would just absolutely you know they they were not using the same adjectives that the other news organization was and i thought to myself you know there literally is no there just seems to be so little common ground now and i don't Mm. know of a i don't know of a network or or an outlet that just says we are not going to select um, we are not going to select emotionally charged words. We're just going to present the information and allow you to make your decision. You know, yeah. so it is. Uh, you know, I think it's been since. What do you think? Nine eleven. When did it start? Where news oh, became a such a uh, an entertainment and a an in your face type of an I, event. I would say, if I had to think back, I would say it was probably the first Gulf War. Okay, and you started I, seeing the crawlers yeah, across I, the screen. I graduated high school in 1994, and I remember in, was it 92? Yep, 92 or 93. Nine, yeah, 92, 93 was there. I remember coming home from school um, and just plopping down in front of And CNN was the only thing in the game mm-hmm, at the time mm-hmm. as far as 24-hour news. I think maybe Headline News Network was there, um, and they've been since absorbed into whoever. But um, I remember just being glued to the TV and watching this this war unfold in my living room mm-hmm. you know and 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 that was the moment that I realized that we no longer lived in that tiny little world 
that I was born into. I mean, I, I was born in 1975. I lived through the 80s. I remember my parents sitting down at the end of the day or, or um, you know, sometimes it didn't happen every day, but they would watch the news. They would get the newspaper. You know, they, they sat and listened to Dan Rather and Tom Brokaw and, and, and some of those guys. Then you know, And by that point, Walter Cronkite was was gone and and or not gone not dead but i mean he was he was kind of out of the picture um and and sam um donaldson and some of these guys you know i just i remember um watching the nightly news on abc or cbs or, or nbc but that was all that was all there was mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and then like I say in in the early 90s must have been the late 80s i suppose when cnn became a thing and then in the early 90s watching the 24-hour news cycle of the first Gulf War kind of really kicked it off. For, so for me, that's when it was. I don't know if, if no, historically I, I, that would be accurate. But. I think you're. I think you're right. And I think looking back at that time, I think I had the feeling that when the war ended, um, they weren't going to downsize that news cycle. So they needed to start filling it yeah. in, where other things just became news. Yeah, you know, things that were such small. Well, everything and, and is breaking issues. news. Now. Everything. Yes. Yeah, everything is breaking news. Now. And if you have a crawler going across the screen, you know, at least for somebody of my vintage, um, you would be thinking that that you didn't see the crawlers unless tornadoes were coming. Right. Yeah. Or, I mean, yeah. you know, it was something it was blizzard, big. Blizzard. You it were staying a, home from school that day. Or absolutely. Whatever. Something yeah. big was happening, and now the crawlers can be just such a minuscule event but it is being sort of blown up into these massive massive issues the graphics and things all over the place so yeah so when you start talking about when did when did the when did it begin to change that for me that's when it was 9-11 um that was one of those moments you know every generation has the moment right our grandparents generation it was the it was pearl harbor mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. they you asked them when pearl harbor was and they and knew exactly where they were standing you bet you know, my mom's generation it was it was kennedy kennedy's when, assassination when, were you, sure. when was kennedy where were you when kennedy was assassinated um, for my generation, it was probably, I would probably say the Challenger explosion, was, maybe the Reagan that. assassination attempt. That I was like five years old when that happened, so I remember people talking about it, but I wasn't quite old enough to quite comprehend what had happened, that a, a president, somebody attempted to assassinate the president. But I remember the Challenger. I, was, I think I was in third or fourth grade-ish, somewhere around there. Um, we were actually supposed to watch it live because of the teacher. Because on, uh, of uh, yeah, because Krista McAuliffe was Krista on there. Krista McAuliffe, yep, exactly. And, uh, and, and uh, was it? Uh, and I knew um, uh, Resnick. I can't remember her last name. She was from Akron, Ohio, oh, where okay. I was from, and she yeah. was a Resnick from there. Yeah, Krista Krista McAuliffe was on there, and I remember, like, say, we were supposed to watch it live. Judith Something had happened where the feed didn't come through, so the principal had actually gone home and. <laughs> dating myself a little bit, recorded the event from the television on a VHS tape and was going to bring it back to school and we would just watch the quote-unquote tape delay. Um, And he came back to school and announced, he said, we won't be watching the the Challenger explosion. Um, There's been a terrible tragedy. The space shuttle's blown up and we don't really know what's happened just yet, but this is you know and it was very I remember it being very matter of factly Mr. Karras was my he was the fourth grade teacher and the principal and I remember him coming into the classroom and and telling us and it was just very very matter of factly it wasn't we there was no we're worried about traumatizing children that this thing had happened 
we it was just hey this terrible tragedy has taken place and so we're not going to watch it today here's your math lesson mm-hmm. or here's mm-hmm. your english or whatever it was you know but i remember him saying that and i remember um that night ronald reagan giving the speech you know where he talked about slipping the surly bonds of earth and and all of those things and it was um like I just that was a that was kind of the moment for me for my kids. Um, my son wasn't quite old enough. He was just a, a few days old, maybe thirty days old, when September 11th hit. But for my daughter, you know, September 11th will be her thing. Probably mine as well. As, as it's a weird place for me to be because I'm right at the, the end of the Generation Xers and right at the beginning of the of the um, the Millennial Generation. And so my daughter, kind of right at the end of the millennial generation, and right at the beginning of what is it? What do they call them now? The Gen, Gen Yers, Z, I Gen think. Zers, Gen or whatever Z. it is. So th- there's like we kind of share a little bit of the same. My, I was very young when my daughter was born, so um, we kind of share a little bit of the the same cultural things or generational things. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so that, that that was. I'm not sure that 9/11 was really so much. Um, a kickoff of the the 24 hours news cycle is just an extension mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah. it's interesting. Every one of those events, except the Kennedy event, I remember exactly. Yeah, you would have been where what? I was. You I wouldn't was, even been born yet. Well, you? no, I was uh, two. You were at two. That time. Okay. So I th- I sort of remember the president's funeral. I remember that because I was seeing my father cry. Oh wow! Um, as a, and boy, a isn't that a, isn't that a huge? That's a, when you first see as you as a child, you see your dad cry. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a, that's, yeah. A, that's that's something that, that was certainly more yeah, um, it, influential to me than the funeral itself was. Yeah. Was seeing that happen, yeah. you know. But uh, yeah, well, as we wrap things up here, Kevin, to kind of bring this back around to the idea of business, where we started with all of this is, and and being a business owner and getting involved in politics. What's your advice to other business owners who go, hey, I don't necessarily, I'm not a big political guy. I don't necessarily want to get involved in politics. I don't want to run for anything. But I do have some things that I believe pretty strongly and I feel fairly, uh, to be fairly important. And at times I do need to speak up. How do you kind of walk that line to not chase clients away, to not chase patients or customers away, but yet still stand by the principle of hey, these are things that are important to me. That's a, that's a good question. I'm not sure if if I if I know the answer mm. yet because you know it, it's not something that I'm super experienced in. I think I think if someone would, you know, for instance, let's say they write a letter to the editor about some issue, um, I think it would be appropriate for them to use their own name. That was one thing I had to decide to do uh. is to say, you know, do I want to use a nom de plume, for instance, right. and and do this under some pseudonym and. And so on, and I thought, no, I'm going to I'm going to say it as my name, but but I didn't put my affiliations on there. I right. didn't put down, for instance, that you know this is a person who owns this business, and this is the position of his clinic right. that these things are going on. Yeah, you know, I think I think if a or person now as a, a per, uh, coming back into the professorship, yeah, saying, this is my as a professor yeah, as, of as a professor yeah, of audiology. Yeah. This is what I believe. You know, I think I think a safe maybe the safest route would be that this is what I believe as a citizen, and this is what mm. you know. I believe as, you know, I believe, again, if I'm not someone who's going to be speaking out about this, I, who, who am I going to be shifting that responsibility to? Yeah. So I think, you know, if an individual owns, let's use the example again of a barber shop, um, and they, they are going to take a position that they feel strongly about, 
you know, that's what the First Amendment is there for, to protect right. their ability to do that. And I think the other thing is, if they if they realize that there's political fallout because of that, maybe if they can keep the, the position that that's kind of their problem. That's kind of the problem of the people that are trying to make this, uh, you know, an issue that's going to disrupt his ability to do his business. And it's not really his problem. I mean, you know, right. you're not a bad person if you've irritated people who don't agree with you. Right. I mean, if someone again, suggests that makes you a better person. Sure, sure, <laughs> absolutely. Well, and I think about, you know, think about those things and think, you know, is it that, again, if I, you know, take a position and someone is disagreeing with me, what, where, where have we gone in terms of civil discourse to mm. just say, you know what, I disagree with you. What's the old saying? I disagree with your position strongly, but I will fight to the death to support your ability to say, say it. it. Yeah. yeah, that's you know yeah. that's what this country was founded on. It right. wasn't founded on I'm going to bully you into silence because right. if you say something I don't like, I'm going to get all my friends to boycott your business and make you look bad. That's not what this place is all about, and I think right. we both know that. That was so. not what the, the First Amendment protections were intended to be. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, well, Dr. Fire, thank you for yeah, your time, and, sure. and thanks for taking a little bit of time on your evening as we're you know now coming up on 1030 at night <laughs> for us. And for those of you listening, wherever that's at, as I always say, time-appropriate greetings. So, <laughs> sure. uh, Dr. Fire, we will uh, we'll definitely chat again as, sure. as you and I are friends, and, and maybe we'll have to have, on, have you on and talk about guns someday because sure. it's another area of your, of your expertise. You are a, a multiple-time uh, champion and uh, rifle shooter and, sure. and have been involved in a lot of that kind of stuff too, so we maybe have to have that discussion sometime as well. You bet. Well, I, I like to tell sometimes my patients that, uh, that I'm the, probably the only one who can write off as a business expense my membership to the various gun clubs in the community. (laughs) Well, with that, Dr. Fire, have a great night, and we will chat with you again soon. This is The Schmidt Show. I'm your host, Brad Schmidt. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you next week.